So another wonderful thing that happened from this realization is it allowed me to remove all social anxiety. Because once I became aware that there was just one me, like I used to have fear as a kid, I think a lot of us did, about where I was going to sit in the lunchroom. Like, did they want me at that table? Did they not want me at that table? Like this constant dialogue. I even had it as an adult. And I remember after I got sober, I got an order of French fries at our beach club and I went to sit at the table and it was the first, it had been, I'm only at this place in the summer. So I had done a lot of personal work and growth and reflection during that year. And I remember getting my French fries and like going out to find a place to sit. And I was able to like actually recognize how much different my body felt and that I had no dialogue going on in my head about where I was or wasn't welcome or who I should or shouldn't be sitting with. The reality is I usually sit alone and I'm quite happy doing so as an adult or with my children and their cousins. You know, I don't have that like social anxiety of fitting in anymore because either it works or it doesn't. Like I I don't have to resonate with everyone and they don't have to with me. You have found the place to be. This is the Self-Love Peddler Show. I'm Sophie McCallum, your personal self-love peddler. Please leave the single narrative, airbrushed, beauty bot images you have been forced fed at the door. Here we examine our relationship with our bodies and the many shapes and nuances our bodies have. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Welcome to the journey. Has anyone told you how fucking lucky you are to be here? I mean, seriously, like, I've said it before, But the stats on our being here, the likelihood of your parents procreating at that moment and that one sperm hitting the egg and making you, when they do the numbers, the mathematicians, the math people do the numbers on that, statistically, your chances of being created are zero. So there's a 0% chance that you are here and yet you are. So hello, we're all lottery winners, right? And let me tell you a little about my conception. My parents made me in Italy. My father was working and my mother and my brother traveled over to meet him. And they stayed at a beautiful hotel called the Hotel Raphael in the Piazza Navona in Rome. So I was conceived there. And my mother, my mother, when she was a little girl, her appendix ruptured. And she is convinced that When her appendix ruptured, one of her two fallopian tubes became useless, you know, like like burned because the stuff that when your appendix ruptures, it's like toxic stuff goes in your body and can kill you if you're not careful. Anyway, so she's convinced that she's operating, as she puts it, on one fallopian tube, and she had a hard time getting pregnant because of that. And um, it's so funny. She always says, she said to me the other day, she's like, don't forget when they do the autopsy, I want to know if I'm right about this. Like when she's dead, she wants me to have like <laughs> like the elective autopsy done so we can confirm that she is indeed right, that she's only operating on one fallopian tube. So my mother, after I was made, she used to tell me she lay on her back and put her feet up against the wall because she was told that she had a better chance of conceiving that way. But like that sent me thinking like if my mother had had her feet like 
three inches to the left? Like, would a different sperm have hit the egg? Like, all of this, like, I've taken it now to, like, such a small detail of, like, how I could possibly not have been created, all in honor of being super thankful, right, to be here. Like, it's a miracle. And not only is it a miracle, but if it had been a different sperm, it would have been a different me. And that is just a reminder that we are all completely unique. We are all unique individuals. I am thrilled to introduce you to my newest course, Mastering Your Love Centers Through Conscious, Compassionate Self-Love. Your love centers are the main areas in your life that you put your energy into. Our goal together is to encompass these centers with conscious, compassionate self-love so that this boundless and self-expanding love can grow into the life we have always known we were meant to live. Someone once asked me, what are you waiting for? This one question sparked a light in my soul. At the time, I was living unconsciously, without intention, without awareness, without love or balance. Bringing conscious, compassionate self-love to our love centers allows us to identify where we are placing our energy and where we need or want fulfillment. Now I ask you, what are you waiting for? Join me. Join me inside of Mastering Your Love Centers Through Conscious, Compassionate Self-Love. There's a tattoo I want to get. Again, sorry, Mom. I think it was Ben Franklin. I've said it before. He who loves himself has no rivals. I want to get she who loves herself has no rivals. Because it goes back to the idea of like, once you recognize that you are a one-of-a-kind, unique, limited, not limited edition, single edition human being, you are given the freedom to no longer compare yourself to anyone at all. I mean, obviously, if you're like an athlete, the athletes compare themselves to one another, like in the Olympics. But that's just one aspect of each of these people. When we're looking at the whole person, everyone is different. Everyone has to be different. You have to be different. So another wonderful thing that happened from this realization is it allowed me to remove all social anxiety. Because once I became aware that there was just one me... Like, I used to have fear as a kid, I think a lot of us did, about where I was going to sit in the lunchroom. Like, did they want me at that table? Did they not want me at that table? Like, this constant dialogue. I even had it as an adult. And I remember after I got sober, I got an order of French fries at our beach club, and I went to sit at the table. And it was the first, it had been, I'm only at this place in the summer. So I had done a lot of, you know, personal work and growth and reflection during that year. And I remember getting my French fries and like going out to find a place to sit. And I was able to, to like actually recognize how much different my body felt and that I had no dialogue going on in my head about where I was or wasn't welcome or who I should or shouldn't be sitting with. The reality is I usually sit alone and I'm quite happy doing so as an adult or with my children and their cousins. But, um, you know, I don't have that like social anxiety of fitting in anymore because either it works or it doesn't. Like I, I don't have to resonate with everyone and they don't have to with me. So life is a miracle and the price we pay for that miracle is death, right? That's the price of entry. And death is a pretty wild idea, right? And I know that I have my whole life, I can, particularly when I was younger, get to kind of like a panicky state about death. Like, oh shit, it's really going to happen. Oh shit, it's really going to happen. Oh shit, it's really going to happen. And I know I'm not alone there. I know a lot of us have gone there. But as I get older and I live a fuller life and I become more familiar with the stages of life, I'm not happy about it, but it gets easier, right? And I'm not very active in any religion, but I do know one thing. And I know this at my core. 
I know that I have always and will always be united with my children. Like I know that our energetic substance, like our light is connected. And, you know, for many, many years, I didn't really live intentionally. I kind of sort of stumbled through life. And like looking back, I can kind of Monday morning quarterback my life if I want to. But I kind of, instead of Monday morning quarterbacking, why is that hard to say? I can, I now just sort of reflect back and I see like a bigger picture plan. I see a lot of the stuff when I was first kind of healing as a human, I thought of as unintentional living was really just following a path I could never have chosen. Like I had to be living unintentionally to get to where I got to and to get these children of mine. Like I I just know that they were meant to be here and they were meant to be here with me and that we have always been together and we always will be together. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind. And you know, taking that sort of idea that there are no coincidences and that everything's meant to be the way it's meant to be has helped me in other aspects in my life. Years ago, one of my dogs was killed, hit by a car. I remember thinking like within minutes of her death, I remember thinking maybe this wonderful but very spirited dog was going to pull one of my kids like into the street and they could have gotten hit like next week. And maybe this horrible event is protecting me from something else. There are experiences that people go through that are much harder than losing a dog. And it can be a lot more difficult in those situations to understand the meaning and the purpose behind that. I sit here very fortunate that I haven't had to wrestle with the emotions around a situation like that. But for me and what I have had to dealt with, the cards that have been handled to me so far, understanding that everything happens for a reason has been very beneficial. And so as Chris Rock says when he gives his horoscope, Sagittarius, you're going to die. Aquarius, you're going to die. And he goes through them all. You're going to die. Like it's on the horizon for all of us. And I was reading an article recently about human composting. The idea of getting like put in a box doesn't appeal. The idea of getting burned does not appeal. I have always told my nephews and my sons that I want to be taxidermied. Like I want to be put in like a nice position, maybe with a guitar or something, I don't know, or a a thalid, something, you know, something nice, something that is representative of me. And I want to be stuffed and mounted. And then everyone can just take turns having me in their house, right? I picture like 100 years down the line, like, you got to take great, great, great Aunt Sophie. Like, nope, I had her for two years. My kids are afraid of her. Like half of her fingers have fallen off. Like, I don't want that shit in my house. Like, so I'm picturing like the havoc I'm going to wreak on my uh, my many generations of my offspring. But the idea of like being stuffed and mounted appeals to me because I'm not like burned to a crisp and I'm not stuffed in a box. But anyway, human composting. This is a pretty cool idea. I read the article just the other day and like they put you in a beautiful kind of like crate and I don't know. I'm not going to go through all the steps. You guys can Google it. You have access to it. But it was finally something that uh, that appealed to me. And afterwards, you're given several cubic feet of soil made from your family members. So you can plant flowers. You can do whatever you wish with it. It's kind of beautiful. So, But that energy of connection, that connected energy that I have with my kids, as a mother, I know that it's gonna last forever. And I also have that same connection with my parents, particularly my mother. 
I know what my mother's going to do before she does it. Like the number of times we pick up the phone to call each other and get a busy signal because we've called one another at the exact same time. The number of times I think about a question I've asked my mother and that I need the answer and like 10 seconds later, the text comes through. Like there is a connection between mothers and their offspring that is absolutely tangible. Through reflection and energy work and looking at my life, I was able to kind of uncover it. It's a way that self-love has helped me come to terms with death and an understanding that do I believe that I'm consciously going to be Sophie Reynolds McCallum after I die? Sadly, I don't. But do I believe that I go on to rejoin everything that I love or the things that I love most? Yes, absolutely. And it allows me to focus on here and now and get the absolute most out of my life. I heard once when you hide from things that scare you, it's as if you wake up in the middle of the night and there's a fire alarm going off. And instead of, you know, waking everybody up and getting everybody out of the house to keep them safe, you just go and like turn the fire alarm off, the smoke detector, and go back to sleep. You know, like shunning from the things that scare you is just pretending they're not there, right? It's just like it's turning the smoke detector off and going back to sleep. It's not a good solution. So begin doing what you want to do now. This is a quote. Begin doing what you want to do now. We are not living in eternity. We have only this moment sparkling like a star in our hand and melting like a snowflake. Let us use it before it is too late. If you are craving to go deeper on your self-love and body love journey, please join me inside my private Facebook group, The Self-Love Shack. We meet once a week to continue our discussions and go deeper. You can also check out my self-love courses and coaching options at selflovepeddler.com. Follow the link in the show description for more details. I leave you with this. The only way to end women's cycle of body shaming, judgment, and self-loathing is through a common pact and plan to change the way we collectively think about our bodies and the bodies of those around us. Sending you peace.